welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 488 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you doing, Sean? I am amazing. Tap your button. Hopefully that recorded that and you're, uh, you're online now. Um, yes, uh, we're talking about religious trauma today, so check out the website for all the show notes and links and Sean's blog, ca- uh, blog post, blogcast, what's a blogcast? As my little pooch Cooper comes to sit on my legs and settle down for the uh, for the show, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you doing, Sean? I believe you've been for a run, which regular listeners will know. Uh, you've been for a couple of runs, yeah, because you've been uh, not too well last year, so that's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did four kilometers on Monday, three and a half today, and I'm going to do a run again on Friday. I'm going to try and get that to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, building up to maybe doing the half marathon in Chester um, in July. Okay. Were you inspired? <laughs> um, were you inspired by visions of the London Marathon folks at the weekend? Did you get to watch any of that? No, <laughs> I didn't. No. no, I saw. Uh, I mean, I didn't catch much of it. I did see video of the the, the last person that finished. Um, which I think is usually quite a bit of an event. I, th- I can't remember how long it took him. It must have been, I think it was eleven or twelve hours. But what a hero, man, to get to get across the line. Twelve hours. Wow. Yeah, he, he was in a real bad way getting across the line. You know, the light was failing, fading, that kind of thing. And uh, but he made it. He made it. It's been viewed millions of times on Twitter. The video of him crossing the line. So good on him, man. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. yeah. Well done. So that'll be you in Chester half marathon. Do you reckon you could do it in? Eight hours. <laughs> well, I, 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 what I was feeling was, um, if I do it, I don't care if I come last. It's just actually having achieved it. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the, what that would mean uh, would, in a year from July last year, where I had open heart surgery to July this year, running the half marathon. That's pretty good, you know. Well, you haven't done it yet, but that would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And don't yeah, kill yourself yeah. trying to do it, but no, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to see how I get on over the next few weeks and just, you know, see how my body gets into it. it it's quite weird because I actually feel quite different. I feel quite um, kind of lifted. Um, mm. and part of that is psychological, as in blimey, I can still do this. Um, and part of it is actually physical. You know, I feel physically different. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Body and mind and all that. Well, we'll keep people posted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed for you, man. That'd be cool. But um, very exciting. Yeah. And uh, I've been pounding the pavements in a different way. I've got the local elections next week. So uh, yeah, getting getting pretty serious now. But fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see how we go a week from now. Yeah. So that's the 4th of May, isn't it? Local elections across the country in various places. So uh, yeah, yeah, don't forget, as I've been knocking on the door, don't forget to take your ID with you because you've got to show a yeah. passport or a driver's license or something with you. Photo yeah. on it this time around. So don't forget to take that along. But um, yeah, yeah, lots of people, lots of postal voters will have already voted. So 
Um, I think we'll, I'll probably put this on this live after, in fact, after the elections, looking at my, the schedule of how I've been getting around to editing these. So, yeah, have a little Google of Edward yeah. Lamb, Wirral, and see. Also, you have to be careful what you say. You don't want to ruin your electoral chance in school. Well, I know I haven't, I haven't been publicising this podcast in like election material. I don't know, but hopefully, maybe people are listening to this thinking, "Ooh, I want they want to know more about this weird." Bella, uh, he's all of a sudden thrust into local politics. But <laughs> well, I can I can confirm this is a damn good chap. Damn good chap. <laughs> They've got your endorsement. <laughs> That's it. You're fine. You're elected. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see how we go. So it's all go. But um, let's have a let's have a chat about religious trauma syndrome. Or we had an email from a listener, which we love. People getting in touch, suggesting topics for us. So. Someone's asked us to have a look at religious trauma because they don't think there's much out there um, and it can be really damaging. Um, so uh, here we are. You've done a blog post about it, Sean. So uh, what is religious trauma to you? And uh, have you dealt with much of it, like in, in terms of working with people? Yeah, but I think that to call it religious trauma is diminishing what it is. Um, if you think of it, all of us are brought up uh, observing the world around us and then we fit in with the group that we're brought up with yeah mm -hmm. now that group could be racial could be national could be some kind of ethnicity it could be some kind of religion some kind of philosophy some kind of political group it could be any kind of group if we then try to leave that group and be different there's going to be problems mm. um, and there could be problems for us accepting a new version of the world, um, but also there's problems with the people that thought we were one of them and we're no longer one of them. We've done something else. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I mean, so I'm, we get put down by... Yeah, yeah I'm a, I mean, I'm a member of the Green Party, obviously. I'm standing to be a Green Party councillor, but I'm not really having yeah. a huge political background. But um, like it's the first party I've ever been a member of. But we, we do have a lot of former Labour members is who've kind of like come from Labour which to Greens which I think is quite a big deal you know for a lot of people and you know swapping allegiances can be uh, can be traumatic leaving friends and colleagues behind that kind of thing um, so it, it's fascinating I don't have a religious trauma myself um, I didn't I wasn't really raised with a huge kind of religious upbringing you know we went to church fairly regularly and my wife is the daughter of a church minister, uh, URC in the UK. So um, that's been quite interesting as well. But my dad more so probably, he had quite a fairly strict Catholic upbringing. I went to a Catholic boarding school as a kid, um, you know, in like mid, late 50s um, in the UK here. So I think that left quite a, was quite a traumatic experience for him, the kind of strict Catholic boarding school life and uh, mm -hmm. a real turn off spiritually for him i think so i think he couldn't wait to leave that behind but um a lot is you know within mm -hmm. his family still are still you know church goes and all that stuff so yeah that's my experience of it really do you have a, a serious religious upbringing at all what was your what was your background well my my mother came from irish roman catholic my father was eastern european jewish as a background um and we were brought up in the Church of England. Um, and there was quite a lot of, of God and Bible and stuff. And a lot of my 
aunties and uncles on my father's side were mediums. They were healers and clairvoyants and all that kind of stuff. And then I went off on my own um, journey to try and find the answer to life, the universe and everything. And I spent time with the Moonies, Christian scientists, um, and lived with different groups and in the end stayed in an Ayurvedic community. Um, and I'd been into Buddhist communities. I checked out Islam and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> the thing about Ayurveda, and Aya means um, uh, life and Veda means knowledge. Um, and the thing about the knowledge of life is it includes everything. Nothing is left out. But what they'd say is that everybody's right, but from their own point of view, so everyone's partial. Yeah. You know. Um, and if everybody around you believes that the world is flat, then it's flat. Mm, well, we can come on to that in a bit. Because, um, uh, yeah, I've had a, I have spoken at length with a flat earth believer. And maybe he was right after. But, yeah, I guess you need to be open to that a little bit. Um yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to kind of use this episode as necessarily a bashing of religion. I think we are becoming less kind of religious as a culturally in the UK and in the West, perhaps. Um, you know, people might mark themselves as being Christian on their on a you know a form they're filling out for whatever, um, without having been to church for a long time, that kind of thing, or, or ever, having ever read passage from the bible but I, you know i don't i was at a service a church service on at the weekend uh, my father-in-law was kind of he's retired but he does little uh he's still you know he's, he preaches quite regularly and he went back to his old church um to, to preach for the first time in a long time actually so we went along to support him um yeah and you know his sermon was great and the, the lessons that he he was talking about in his sermons um were kind of universal in kind of what they were saying you don't have you wouldn't have to be a christian um or a certain brand of christian to to understand what he was saying and the messages yeah it just it would apply to any person on planet earth really so i don't want to kind of use this as a um as a platform here to necessarily bash uh religion <laughs> but um, I, I, I think that the important thing is that when you talk about that kind of belonging or not belonging to something you know, leaving something. The group that you're leaving could be anything. It could be religion, could be politics, could be an educational group. Um, and one of the most common that I see around me in the family that I'm in are the football groups. Yeah. You know, yeah. It is like, what team do you support? Are you one of us or are you one of them? And that's the point about groups. Either you're in the group or you're out of the group. And that could be a racial group. It could be a colour group. It could be a sexual orientation group, you know. Um, and very often, if we don't have an openness to understanding that other people live in other groups and that's okay, mm -hmm. then it's easy to write them off, isn't it? You yes. know, so, uh, and, and in the extreme, you've got kind of Hitler who can decide that all the Jews need to be got rid of. Mm. You know, and and that's like the heavy end of grouping. Yes. Um, and we've got the thing with Russia and Ukraine. And if we all identified as the same group of people, as human beings, then we wouldn't do that kind of thing. We'd all look after each other. Yeah. You know, crazy. I mean, crazy. You, so like, without obviously name, mentioning any names, have you dealt with people who have had serious kind of 
trauma from re- religious experiences and kind of upbringings that they've had that yeah. did professional help and what like what form did that take and like um how did you work people well, my, my, in the, the biggest issues i've had to deal with um from a religious point of view has has been jehovah's witnesses people that were brought up in the jw's mm. and then decided to leave the jw's or to follow another path yeah. um and they then were excluded from their families and from their friendship groups that they were disowned mm. um and uh, and strangely, some people uh, decided because of that to kind of rejoin. And in the main, they were accepted, but never fully trusted once they yeah. rejoined the group. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that you see it um, still in Christianity between, I've had to deal with this as well, between Christians and Protestants. And very often, if a Protestant marriages a Catholic. So you've got the Christian Catholicism, the Christian Protestantism. You know? So that if, if a Protestant marries a Catholic, usually the Protestant has to sign a document agreeing that the children will be raised in in, in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm just trying to think about lessons we learn as kids really am. My kids sometimes listen to this podcast um before they go to or like as they go into sleep so i don't want to say anything in case there's any kids listening um that will leave it like be traumatic for them but there are certain things that we took we uh we teach kids you know specifically around special holiday times um that might not necessarily be true and that at some point in their their lives usually around the age of 9 10 11 um that they they kind of understand to be untruths and i guess Processing those things is uh, can be well. I've just my my son's just gone through it. Really, he's had his first been through his first winter where he didn't believe, you know. So uh, uh, I guess we get some little early lessons in the, the reality, the harsh reality of life. <laughs> things that we've been taught and told is true for years and years wasn't true, isn't it? So yeah, it's like mm, we do get early lessons, don't we? Um, in kind of how to deal with. The, the trauma of that, I guess. But it's, it's like the the gentleman who um, delivers gifts at certain times of year. You know, do, do, you know, how do we feel about that? And, you know, yeah. Where do we where do we get into that? You it's know. mad, isn't it? The stories we the stories yeah. we tell and all that kind of stuff. So maybe maybe that's just mm. a, a subtle way of preparing children for um, for the harshness of. Of, of life really and that maybe it's a lesson there for being open to new ideas um, because as I said um, before we came on air I had experience years ago where I was set, sat next to a flat earth believer for a couple of hours um, on a stag do and we were having cocktails and chatting about this stuff uh, and you know we spent a couple of hours explaining his side of things that's why he thinks yeah. the earth is flat and, you know, all sorts of mad stuff in my head. Um, but maybe I need to be open to the idea, even if it's just a tiny fraction of a chance that the earth is flat. Maybe one day I will go to space and I'll have this epiphany and the earth actually is flat. Maybe we do need to be open to other other ways of thinking, ultimately. Does it matter whether the earth is flat or round? Mm. 
Oh. I mean, it, it, it may matter from a scientific point of view if you're doing something, but for yeah. the regular Joe walking down the street, does it matter? Yeah, if you're a rocket engineer, it probably does matter because you've got you've got certain calculations to make. Um, but no, for me, yeah. for, for me generally, it doesn't. I guess maybe why do people get so hung up on that that one particular uh, thing? Like, is it just kind of it's a basic truth, isn't it, that we all know the Earth is round? So to have it that one shoved in your face is potentially um, untrue. Yeah, yeah, but those but those photographs that you see from space, they're just computer-generated images. They're not real. Yeah, I know. So I'm told. How do you know they're real unless you go up there yourself? Yeah. Mm. But it would be quite... <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if if, if it was decided and it, or found that the Earth actually was flat um, and it was a scientific truth all of a sudden and, we, and we, we were getting it wrong all this time it would be quite a traumatic experience for uh civilization to take on the chin wouldn't it isn't that true of lots of things i mean the idea a couple of hundred years ago that voices would come out of a wooden box in the corner of the room would have been absolutely terrifying you know now we call it the radio or the television mm-hmm don't we? I mean, there's even people living in the box in the corner of the room on the television. Other, you know, it's um, it's how do you see things? Um, there, there's a group of um, of quantum physicists that that um, uh, it's Linda McTaggart, her lot, who wrote the um, intention experiments, and they reckon that at a quantum level, they can measure the intention, which could be. Uh, emotion, prayer, energy, whatever, leaving one person and arriving at another person. They reckon they can actually measure that. Wow. Now, that the idea about the power of prayer, that we can affect someone else, is something which some people go, yeah, yeah, I can go with that. And other people go, that's nonsense. Yeah? Now, at a quantum level, the, the um, quantum physicists are starting to say, well, we can measure that kind of energy. We can see it. So does that mean that the idea of, if we use the word prayer, she uses the word intention. Yeah. Um, you know, has been a fantasy. Could we now say, well, actually, it's, it's real. We can measure it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's all that kind of stuff about which group are you in? Mm. You know, are, are you in, you know, the left, the right, and you know the flat, the round, you know the gay, the straight, the black, the white. What oh. what group are you in? Yeah, oh, are you yeah. In? yeah. The I'm fact that you've got two, you've got two breasts on. Oh no, no wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the cyclist. I've got a picture of a bicycle and my jumper. So I'm, I'm in my Twitter um, persona. I'm kind of the cyclist, but um, I try not to describe myself as that because sometimes I drive a car, sometimes I get the train, sometimes I walk. Um, we do like to kind of pigeonhole people, don't we? And kind of, and I guess. But but it's that idea when you get into grouping. It's like if you're talking about cars and bikes. It's like you have to either be a car or a bike. Why mm. can't you be both? Yeah. Or neither. You know? Yeah. Um, that that's a bit that's important to me. And, and one of the things I said to you before we came on air: the only groupings that matter to me at all, really. I don't care whether you're male, female, white, black, green, you know, whatever. It's like the issue is, are you a nice person or not? Mm. Yeah. And if you're a nice person, love it. 
you know, I don't care what your religion is, you know, what your sexuality is. So if you're a nice person, you're in. You know, if you're a nasty person, sod off. Yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, so like working people through the trauma of of kind of a religious upbringing, like just finally then, um, I take it that's some pretty heavy duty um professional work that you you might have done in the past or that people will need to get some therapy for that kind of thing i don't, i think it does depend on the nature of the religion if it's been a relationship which is about hell and damnation and all, all the time you've got this fear that yeah. god is out to get you you know mm. um so that you know and one of the problems with confession you know confession can be useful in terms of of having a review of yourself that's that's okay you know thinking about should i've done that shouldn't i've done that okay but that idea that you go along you know forgive me father for i have sinned you know and then then the priest has the ability to say to you yeah go up the end of the church and say so many of these particular prayers like a magic spell and it'll all be forgiven and gone Mm. you know that's it's all a bit odd that to me um, yeah, I know. Uh, I keep using your phrase about, well, not your phrase. I think you say um, when you pray, when I first pray, then move your feet. Is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. There's, it's a, it's a, something you hear in mindfulness a lot. It's like, first of all, you pray for something, okay? Then you've got to do something about it. Yeah. You know, and that's the ham sandwich issue. You can't say, I want to have a ham sandwich, I want to have a ham sandwich. It is not going to drop out the sky. Mm. I suppose I should say it's very unlikely that we drop out the side because maybe it could, you know. But the, but the reality is, if you want to have sandwich, you've got to do something to get it. Yeah, so I've been using that a lot in my thinking recently around transport stuff because the actual proverb is it's an African proverb and it says when you pray, move your feet. So I get a lot. Yeah. Of, I get when I'm door knocking and I'm a lot of stuff locally is uh, around school traffic we've got a lot of schools nearby so there's just kind of a yeah twice a day there's a real build-up of of traffic which brings all sorts of issues um yeah. i'm sure people in the uk will be familiar with um but i get a lot of door knocking requests to fix it and my kind of response is kind of is is that kind of idea you can pray but then you've got to move your feet because you, you, the traffic's not just going to magic itself away we're going to have to make changes to how we get around, and a lot of the a lot of the complaints I get is around, oh, I can't get off my driveway in my car because there's so many parents parking, you know, because pick the kids up. And I'm like, well, what's? I don't say this in quite these terms, but what's so important about your journey in your car that means they should get out your way so you can go and pick up kids from another school, probably, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, pray, then move, you know, then move your feet. It's like we can fix this stuff. But we've got to we've got to be honest about the changes we need to see, um, and I think that will be a kind of traumatic thing for a lot of people when it comes to how we get around because we've got to stop driving. Yeah. As, we've got to stop driving as much as we do, and that's habitually and culturally that's a tough thing to do. So yeah, the the, the car as an icon and a religious icon is something that I'm trying to push back against a little bit, uh, and it's hard work. Yeah. You know? and so, so any kind of change. Uh, it's hard and comes with a certain amount of trauma, I guess, doesn't it? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and change is, is difficult. 
you know, and that, that works both ways. If you're used to a negative set of behaviors and you need to change them into positive ones, that's hard. Yeah. Because the, the normal, our habit, is what we do. You know, so change, change is always going to be an interesting experience. And it's hard everywhere. You know, me and you went to Amsterdam last year and we saw a, a place that was transformed by, uh, in, in terms of how people move around and it was just like a, a paradise, yeah. wasn't it? That that yeah. didn't, come, didn't come easily for the people of of that country. They fought they fought hard against the same stuff we're fighting now, and uh, it was quite mm-hmm. traumatic for a while. And it um, they're not they're not finished yet. Yeah. So uh, I guess mm-hmm. we all need to be prepared for a certain amount of trauma and work when we when we go through a change in our lives. Maybe that's a good way to mm. to to sum things up. Yeah, and leaving leaving a group, whatever that group is, is a change, and it has the trauma of change about it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Uh, what's your uh, resource you got noted down there? I see. Um, well, the, the, there is a, a book which was uh, written by a teacher of mine from many years ago, a guy called Mishra, and it, it's the textbook of yoga psychology, and really, it's Ayurvedic psychology. And um, what it does, if you if you can get hold of a copy and re- and read it, it explains um, the unity of everything, how everything fits together, how it is all one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's got different faces or facets, but it's cool. the same thing. It's us that break it up into the groups. Yeah. All right, yeah. I shall link to that uh, in the in the res- mm-hmm. show notes, and I'm going to link to a, a movie called Spotlight. It's got Michael Keaton in it. Um, right, which is about yeah, some journalists that kind of uh, did a lot of work, undercover work, investigative work around uh, systemic child abuse in the Catholic Church <laughs> in Boston, oh, in America. Right. So it was kind of, it kind of. I have watched it. It was a while ago, but it's quite you know, it's hard work that stuff, and it was that tr- a very mm-hmm. traumatic thing for that people are still processing. I'm sure. So, um, yeah, yeah recommend that movie but not necessarily as a way like you shouldn't you know hopefully it doesn't put people off on a spiritual path whatever that might take them but it's it's a really good good movie that one there's nothing wrong with the spiritual path just don't look down on people that are on the path next to yours yes yeah yeah that's the thing definitely yeah um all right cool all good yeah keep smiling i should keep running Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, keep going. We'll catch up with you in the next week or two, see how you're getting on. But uh, yeah, you take yeah. care till then, Sean. Yeah, keep smiling. I will. See you, All right. see you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.